When Jesus said the words, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, those listening were filled with awe and wonder. Because this is the scripture that Jesus had read out loud to them prior to saying those words. They're from the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now that is good news. And those that heard Jesus read these words and heard him say, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, they thought to themselves, great, because this is what we have wanted. And now we will have what we have wanted to be fulfilled. However, the mood changed when Jesus interrupted their chain of thinking. Using the illustrations, both written in the book of Kings, of the widow of Zarephath and and Naaman the Syrian, he interrupts their chain of thought with these stories. Instead, Jesus offers them this sequence of events. Yes, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And yes, I know that you have been wanting it to be fulfilled. But the fulfillment of it is not for you. Jesus references the stories of the widow and Naaman the Syrian to make the point that God's salvation is for all, not just God's chosen people. And in some cases, God has gone outside of God's chosen people and offered salvation directly. Such was the case of the story of the widow and of Naaman. Neither were Hebrew people, and yet God offered them salvation and wholeness. And here, Jesus is saying that what he has just read from Isaiah is not just for the, human, for the Hebrew people. Perhaps they felt like they were insulted in thinking that God had gone outside the family, if you will, and given the family blessing. And they, as God's children, who were certain that they would receive the inheritance simply because of the nature of their relationship with God, found that God was giving away something that they considered was rightfully theirs. And indeed, who did Jesus think he was to make this claim? So perhaps they were mad because they were insulted by him. Or perhaps they were mad because they felt like Jesus insulted God. Or maybe it was both. But they were furious. It is because of the emphasis of this story that God's saving love is for all people, not just for particular chosen ones. It's because of this emphasis that we read this gospel lesson during the season of Epiphany. God's love, made known in Jesus, the incarnate one of the Trinity, demonstrated that God's love goes beyond the boundaries that are familiar to us. This is still challenging news for us to hear. We like this news if we feel like we are beyond the boundaries, but if we have worked hard to stay within the parameters of what we think God expects of us, well, then... 
if we speak honestly, we might find ourselves admitting that we're not always happy with God's abundant goodness. But it is God's prerogative to be gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent in punishing. And this is a promise that God offers to all creation, whether we consider them in or not. The good news, the good news especially for us, is that Jesus made known for us that we're included in God's promises. Maybe some of us can trace our bloodlines back to the Hebrew people, but for many of us, we only have a place at the table because Jesus made a place at the table for us. Jesus demonstrated God's desire for us to be at the table, and Jesus demonstrated that through love. So let's talk about love here for a moment. The love of God is not a means to an end. God's love for us is not so that we'll do something or become somebody or make it into eternity. God's love for us is because God wants to love us. And it's God's prerogative to do so. God loves us for God's own self. I am convinced that Jesus' death on the cross was not so that we could get into heaven, but was the result of Jesus' commitment to offer love always, always, even in the face of circumstances that seemed difficult. And by doing so, he demonstrated that love triumphs over everything, which is a promise of faith that is sometimes impossible for us to believe. And this triumphant love is impossible for us to perfect. But just because it is a challenge doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. And just because love doesn't have an objective but to love doesn't mean that we shouldn't practice it. In following Jesus' example, we practice love because love is worth practicing. In following Jesus' example, we love people just because we can. We don't love people so that they will change. We don't love people in hopes that they'll do something. We love people because that is what Jesus demonstrated. I imagine that we hope to get better at it simply because God is so good at it. And we have benefited from how good God is at loving as we saw in Jesus, Jesus didn't let misunderstanding keep him from loving. He didn't let violence keep him from loving. He didn't let death keep him from loving. He doesn't let time keep him from loving. He showed that love is stronger than each of those things, and it is love that refuses to give space to evil or hate. It is love that demands the truth. God asks of us one simple thing, that we receive this love in order that God's love may be unleashed to work in the world. 
we must not refuse it in its simplicity. Which reminds me of the story of Naaman the Syrian that Jesus refers to in our gospel lesson today. You can read this story for yourself in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. Naaman is a commander of the army of the king of Aram. And he had great success in the battles that he led. In fact, the scripture says that the Lord favored him. And in one of the raids, they brought home an Israelite girl who was to be a servant to his mistress, to his wife. And Naaman, who was dear and beloved by the king, had one problem. He had leprosy. Well, this servant girl said to the woman that she assisted, it's too bad that Naaman doesn't know the prophet Elijah back in Israel. He could cure him of his leprosy. And so Naaman goes to the king of Aram and says, I want to go to Israel. I want to be cured of my leprosy. And the king of Aram says, yes, go. I will send a letter ahead of you. And so Naaman prepares to go. He takes 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of garments. These are to be gifts so that he might receive the healing. And Naaman goes to the king of Israel with letter in hand, asking for his healing. The king of Israel is incensed because he can't heal Naaman. He thinks he's being set up by the king of Aram for an impossible task that he cannot achieve. But Elisha hears of the king of Israel's distress and says, do not worry, send him to me and I will heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman goes to the house of Elijah with all those that he brought with him, the 10 talents of silver, the 6,000 shekels of gold, and the 10 sets of garments. And as he approaches the house of Elijah, Elijah sends out a messenger. And the messenger says to Naaman, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you will be cleansed and healed of your leprosy. Well, Naaman is incensed. He has prepared a great deal, traveled a great distance to see Elisha. And Elisha doesn't even come out of his house, but instead sends a messenger to say, go wash in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman says, aren't all the rivers in Damascus better? than the rivers here, and he heads home angry. But a couple of Naaman's servants say to him, my Lord, why won't you just go wash in the river Jordan? If the prophet had given you an impossible task, you would have worked hard to achieve it. But all he has said to you is go to wash seven times in the river Jordan and your skin will be made clean. And so Naaman, recognizing the truth in this, agrees to go to the River Jordan and washes seven times, and his skin is made clean. We are asked to do a most simple thing. 
receive the love of God in Christ Jesus so that we might be strengthened to share that love in the world. It will take practice every day to get any good at it. And that is all that we're asked to do, is to practice. So a daily prayer might be, what would love have me do today? If we practice sharing God's love and made known to us, if we practice sharing God's love made known to us, God will do the rest. Amen.